a lot of scientists, if they go down the academic career path, their focus continues to get narrowed. And the incentive is such that you just want to publish, right? Which means you're not necessarily solving a problem because you just want to publish. And so it's gotten a bit diluted. And furthermore, you get used to presenting your science in a certain way. And it tends to be, and no offense to anybody, but to the layperson, dry and not relatable. And so advocacy, if you think about it, let's give an example of history of cancer. It used to be this pariah disease that people didn't talk about or was only discussed in whispers. And then all of a sudden, it's a global priority with a ton of funding and attention. So the question is, what happened? Welcome to the Global Affair podcast, brought to you by Love Out Loud, the world's largest love-based movement actualizing a civilization of love by 2030. My name's Nicole Gibson, and join me and some of the world's brightest minds as we bring some of the most important and controversial conversations of our time into a space of unity. It's important to know that as your host, this isn't about my personal opinion or bias, but rather an opportunity to listen with love, honesty, curiosity, and reveal the true universal experience us humans have amongst the differences. So if you love the show, please let us know by giving us a rating and tell us how to make this conversation easier for other people to jump into as well. And with that, let's get it. Stephanie, welcome to the Global Affair. We're here uh, in New York and we're just uh, enjoying your incredible work with the Lifespan Summit, the Longevity DSI Summit. And we're about to kick off four very interesting episodes of The Global Affair, and I thought it'd be brilliant to bring you on and just have you lay a bit of context for us. Thank you so much, Nicole, for having me. It's been an incredible two days. We've had over 50 speakers, 30 sponsors, and 40 media partners that have come to support us from across multiple industries. It's not just longevity, biotech, and rejuvenation science. We've now expanded into decentralized science. So I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second. But I guess it would make sense for me first to tell you about our organization. Please. Yeah. Tell us about Lifespan. Fantastic. So Lifespan.io is a nonprofit advocacy foundation that is focused on accelerating progress and supporting different organizations within the field using strategic media initiatives. The reason for that is because the organization was started nine years ago by several founders, one of whom is our president, Keith Comito. And the focus was crowdfunding. So we had a crowdfunding platform and the premise was to give early stage research access to public attention and respective funding, which would later de-risk follow-on investment. That was a massive success. And then we expanded out into news and educational content. So we have a world-class team of journalists and reporters that will go around the world and speak to all the scientists and organizations that are working in the space to capture that and make sure that the public and the rest of the field knows what's happening in each section. After that happened, we then purchased uh, a YouTube channel called Life Noggin. So that's now under our purview. How did you say? We made an acquisition. Wow. Uh, Life Noggin. Life Noggin is, the tagline is keep on thinking. So it's about educating people and it's an animated format and it has over 3 million subscribers. And they're characters that are recognizable. But the reason that we wanted that is because we have all these different platforms, but they target different demographics. And we want to make sure that the narrative is modified to fulfill the needs of each of those demographics. Historically, science is, you know, translated poorly and no one understands not only what it is or the value of it. So we will leverage the opportunities afforded by strategic media opportunities to make it interesting, make it fun, make science 
sexy, investable, relatable, something that people want to pay attention to. Because as an advocacy foundation, we're targeting age-related diseases. We want to help people to not suffer as much. And so the thinking is that for thousands of years, you're born, you age, you suffer, and then you die. But because of accelerating and converging technologies, there are new possibilities. And there are so many people in our community working in the labs, Harvard, all the big names that are studying the biology of aging and working to either slow the process down, remove senescent cells, potentially even prevent the aging process, but for the sake, at least initially, of not having people suffer from age-related diseases. So the premise of the conference is to make sure that everyone knows what's happening in the field, to educate newbies, to get them to be interested in what's happening. And then also the DSI component. So DSI is this emerging field of decentralized science. And the idea there was one, I mentioned crowdfunding, DSI is kind of the evolution of that. Mm-hmm. And secondarily, DSI kind of equates to blockchain. And if you have blockchain, then you have crypto. And if you have crypto, oftentimes people have come into a lot of money early in their life. So instead of just you know, going to college, getting a job, having a family, saving up for a house, paying for their kids to go to college. You come into a lot of money at an early age and feel like, you know, I don't have to follow that trajectory. So the status quo and these social conceptions don't apply. So what would I do? What would I focus on? Cutting edge healthcare. You're making those decisions for early investors nice and easy. This is actually statistic based, but the bottom line is that these people are already interested in what's possible with science. Mm. So we wanted to introduce the two communities. And yeah. furthermore, VC funding has dried up. Mm. People are looking for LPs. It's not happening. Then they're looking at family offices and private equity firms. And so now this is an alternative funding opportunity. Yeah. And we wanted to connect the communities because there is overlap, but they just don't know each other. Totally. And I think it's so interesting because the conversation broadly about longevity is really looking at you know, I think redefining these cultural norms. It's not just about like all of the amazing things you just mentioned around health and health span, but actually, you know, can we reimagine what 100, 120, 200, maybe, you know, keep going? How many years on planet Earth and maybe beyond? What does that actually look like? And what is the very meaning of life if we start to take out some of these norms? So it's a very exciting space to be in. The last couple of days has been phenomenal. The conversations have been really quite groundbreaking and so you know you and i had a brief discussion around the need for advocacy you've got this concentrated industry where there's so much intelligence hopefully more sort of money that's coming into this incredible work and so what about the communication why is there such a need for advocacy and what does that look like in the future it's a fantastic question nicole and it's really important that it's asked so if you think about it a lot of scientists If they go down the academic career path, their focus continues to get narrowed. And the incentive is such that you just want to publish, right? Which means you're not necessarily solving a problem because you just want to publish. And so it's gotten a bit diluted. And furthermore, you get used to presenting your science in a certain way. And it tends to be, and no offense to anybody, but to the layperson, dry and not relatable. And so advocacy, if you think about it, let's give an example of history of cancer. It used to be this pariah disease that people didn't talk about or was only discussed in whispers. And then all of a sudden, it's a global priority with a ton of funding and attention. So the question is, what happened? 
And the answer was strategic media initiatives and crowdfunding and getting the public on board. Mm -hmm. Now, personally, I believe that we need bottom up and top down approaches. But let's just argue for the sake of argument, we'll do the bottom up right now. And a lot of amazing things have been achieved just through that. Right. And so we're following that model to a degree. Obviously, media has changed because back then you put something on national TV, the whole world sees. Now we are overstimulated with way too much content. It's hard to get through to people. So we have to be strategic. And furthermore, people's attention spans are short. So how do you get their attention? So one thing is also leveraging the power of a celebrity. People listen to influencers that inspire them. And so we recently partnered with Chris Hemsworth, which is a fantastic opportunity because he has millions of fans. Oh, and great choice. He's adored. And he has this organization called Center that's focused on fitness and wellness. It's a platform. And at first, we're like, well, how do we actually do this partnership? And it's going to be multi-phase. But the first phase is all of those millions of people that are following him on that platform are interested in fitness and wellness. They are adjacent to longevity and they don't even know it. So their team is adapting our content around longevity in their brand tone and providing it to those millions of people. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that this existed. I want to learn more. And we have a very stringent code of ethics with journalism. We are very objective. We don't promote products. So you can be rest assured that the content that we're producing and sharing is objective and science-based. But with advocacy, and I'll, I'll close this out, People don't know what they don't know. And even if you tell them, if they don't understand it, it's the same as if they don't know in the first place. And you can't drive progress without a community that is really compelled and inspired by what they're fighting for. And right now, if we want to fight aging in any capacity, we need more funding, more funding, more attention, more recognition. How do you do that? You have to educate people. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I echo so much of that. And so last question, what is the best possible outcome for the longevity space, say in the next 10 to 20 years look like, especially against maybe mainstream theories of health and healthcare? I don't know if you're actually going to like my answer because I don't have an answer for 10 to 20 years. It would be purely speculative. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. The amount of funding that our industry has is minuscule mm-hmm. compared to cancer compared to heart disease then you've got bio you know biotech that's also you know really booming in so many ways in terms of how much investment's going into that space and i kind of think a lot of these industries will start to converge you know we have a, a biotech product that we're launching in a couple of months and weirdly it was only about six months ago i was introduced to the conversation of longevity and now, you know, really, if I was to choose an, an industry that our product fits into, it's longevity. It's wonderful. So I think there's going to be a, a big convergence that happens. And, you know, what's exciting about that is the disruption it could cause for what we've known to be healthcare. There's a lot ahead of us and there are a lot of unknowns and there are a lot of challenges. And that's why advocacy is so important. But The FDA doesn't recognize aging as a disease, and the infrastructure in place for clinical trials is meant for a certain type of indication format. And we think that aging causes diseases of aging, right? Aging is what contributes to heart disease, to sarcopenia, to Alzheimer's. And we don't have a procedure in place 
to go to the FDA, to go to investors. Diagnosis. Right. (laughs) It's still science fiction. Yeah. But not necessarily forever. And so that's what we need to explore. Awesome. Stephanie, the executive director of the Longevity DSI Conference, thank you so much. Lifespan.io is really grateful to be here. We're so glad that you were able to come. Please reach out to us. We are here to build communities. We're here to entertain and educate. Check out our website. Subscribe to the newsletter. Check out Life Noggin, for example. Definitely. You know, we've got a lot of listeners that are kind of young millennial entrepreneurs in the space. And uh, they'll be excited to know you exist. So other than uh, subscribing to your channel, what other events or ways can they plug in directly? Absolutely. So we have a public discord. There are WhatsApp chats going around. We also have an events page where we list a lot of the events in the community that are happening globally. There are going to be other speakers from our conference that will come here and they have plenty of social media platforms as well and resources. The community is large and they're excited and they're eager. And it is not a field that is exclusive. It is extremely inclusive. And we welcome anyone who is even curious. You ask a question, we want to answer, you know. And so please don't hesitate to just reach out to anyone and say, you know what, I'm really curious about your work. Would you mind if we had a discussion? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, my friend. If you enjoyed the show, please let us know by leaving a review or sharing the episode with someone you love and expanding this conversation as far and wide as possible. If you're looking for a community to have conversations with about global affairs, please jump in our Telegram group or join our free think tanks. Thanks for being a part of the shift towards a love-based civilization. We'll see you in the Telegram group or in the next episode. 